0: Gero Nurses, Tales from the Front, is made possible thanks to support from the Center for Education and Research on Aging at the University of the Fraser Valley and the Gerontological Nurses Association of British Columbia.
1: Welcome back. In this episode, Lillian and Shelly speak with a relatively new Gero nurse, Brad Ganda. Well, here they are. Two women who, when asked what book they would take if stranded on a desert island, both replied, How to Build a Boat. Shelly and Lillian.
2: Hello, greetings, and thank you for joining us, everyone. I am Lillian Hung the president of Gerontological Nurses Association of BC, GNABC. Not much longer, (laughs) because our president-elect, Dr. Sally Kenning, is stepping up to be the president soon.
0: Here you go, Dr. Sally Kenning. Thanks, Lillian. I will be the president of GNABC in a month, I guess. And I'm also the director of Sira UFB Center for Education and Research on Aging, um, and GNABC and Sira bringing this to you. So this is Journal Nurses' Tales from
2: the Front, where we want to share inspirational, often very innovative, unique stories, and some of the really interesting
0: experience of our Journal Nurses. So, today we're really excited to have Prab Ganda with us as our guest. Um, Prab is an RN and she's currently working in acute care on both a medical unit and an ACE or Acute Care for the Elderly unit. Prab is a recent graduate from the University of the Fraser Valley Nursing Program and she actually started her nursing career right at the height of COVID, um, just over a year ago. And so I think she's got a really interesting perspective to share with us. And we're Lillian and I both really looking forward Pratt, to hearing about how you've managed some of those challenges of uh, of meeting the needs of our older adults as a as a new nurse and and during COVID. Um, oh, my
2: goodness. Wow, I'd love to hear. And I'm really excited to talk to you. Hi, Prab. Thank you so much for joining us to talk a little bit about your experience as a juror nurse, a new nurse working on the ACE units with our patients.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get to do this.
0: So maybe if you can, I know you don't, you know, working in the hospital only care for our older patients, but I also know that you've got a special interest in managing their care needs. So maybe share a little bit about what might have sparked your interest or um, inspired you to to kind of take that focus in your nursing?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I when I was like 16 and my mom and I were discussing what I was going to do, like career wise, um, nursing came up and I don't know why, but I just knew that that's what I wanted to do, even though I had no idea what it was going to be like, um, I had nobody in my family or close friends or anything that were nurses or, or worked in um, healthcare at all. So I didn't really know what it was about, but I knew I wanted to do it. Um, and then um, two years, well, when I was doing my volunteer hours, because you need volunteer hours as a prereq to get into um, the nursing program, I worked at um, I like a long-term care place that was all geriatric people, residents, um, which was really fun. And then two years into the nursing program, um, we had the opportunity to be employed student nurses. Um, And so I got to do that twice. So the first time I was in ESN was on our ACE unit. And then um, that was a really good experience for me. And I really liked the geriatric population and I liked working with them. And then when I did my perceptorship, which was three and a half months, um, I was back on ACEs. That's where I got placed. Um, and it was, again, it was a great experience. And then now I work primarily on, um, on the medical unit that you mentioned, but it's right beside ACE as well. And so sometimes I'll work on ACE as well, um, but even on our medical unit. I mean, as we know, there's the majority of people in On our medical units, anyway, are are elderly. So, yeah. So that's kind of my story, Um, and just sort of along the way of being a nursing student and and an ESN, and then a nurse um, working with the geriatric population is kind of like it's it's like no other population, and they're they're fun to work with. And I, yeah. So that's that's kind of a a short little. I guess, snippet of how I've gotten into um, working with geriatric
2: patients. Wow. You said the geriatric patients, all the people that you work with, they're fun to work with.
1: (laughs) They're fun to work with. They just, I mean, there's so many things that I like work, like so many reasons why I like working with them. Um, But fun is the, is the word I use. And I, when I, tell my stories to like my family and my friends about the patients I work with. The, the thing that I always come back to is that they, they really crack me up. And, <laughs> it, and I just, it's so funny because you can, um, you can really joke with them about things that you just can't joke with when you work with younger populations. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. And they make me laugh and, and there's just, Um, I don't know, they, it's rewarding to work with them because, and maybe this comes from a little bit of a selfish place, but they, um, really appreciate the sort of emotional, um, and personal care that you can provide for them, which I mean, is so hard to do right now with Mm -hmm. with staffing shortages, which is really, just is really, really unfortunate, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's rewarding to work with them, and it's it's rewarding when you can provide them with sort of that extra care. Um, you know, working in a medical unit, you're like, okay, we have to give you these antibiotics, and we have to do these medical interventions, and we have to manage all of these sort of medical acute things going on. Um, but when you can sit with them for five or ten minutes and hold their hand and let them talk to you about their life, like. I don't know I find that that's really meaningful and and they really really appreciate it more so than like you know somebody that's like 50 you know where they you know they just need their antibiotics and want to go home or whatever it is um that's not the case for all 50 year olds but um yeah I don't know it's it's fun um I had a patient recently um who was almost 100 and he was fully oriented very independent I think he lives on his own if i can remember correctly um and for i don't know if i should say the reason why but he couldn't have visitors Uh um and so his daughter brought him a phone and um you know she called and she was like can i bring a phone like i'll leave a note for you know a note for him on how to use it and i was like yeah that's fine so i brought him this um Mm -hmm. i brought him the iphone and he had no clue how to use it at all. And he was like, I, in my 90 whatever years of life have never held a cell phone. And so I sat with him. I also had seven patients, but I was like, listen, like he needs to talk to somebody in here cause he can't have visitors. Like this is, you know, we've gotta be able to connect him with some family. And so I sat with him for probably 20 minutes and we sat on the edge of his bed together. And I taught him, you know, how to phone, I had to teach him how to phone his daughter from an iPhone. And I was like, okay, so the first thing you want to do is press the home button. And he was like, where's the home button? And I was like, okay, here's the home button. You press this. And he, you know, and then it gets to the home page with the apps. And I was like, okay, so these are all of your apps. Do you know what an app is? No. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is so wild because like, most of, even all of, you know, most of my ger- geriatric patients, a lot of them have iPhones or whatever, mm-hmm. Samsungs, and they know how to use it. But I was like, here's this person who's almost a hundred and he, he doesn't even know what I mean by, you know, to click the phone app. He didn't know what I meant when I said to scroll through your contacts. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so even just being able to, fr- to provide that, um, for him, you know, and just sort of getting him some contact and providing some personal emotional care. um, Wow. So it's it's not really about
2: having access to the phone. The phone is right there. Mm -hmm. But if you were not there to help him, then the phone means nothing.
1: Yeah. And then when you think about, like, you know, the staffing shortages, I mean – I mean, I think all the nurses I work with are incredible, but, but not every nurse is, is going to want to or be able to sit there and, and teach somebody how to use a phone. And, um, you know, I would never blame the nurses for that, but um, it, really, it really sucks for, for these patients who are stuck alone for the duration of their time in the hospital. Um, yeah. Very confusing.
0: So it kind of strikes me that there you're using your gyro nursing lens there. So, you know, you actually saw what needed to be done and 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 you knew that just a little bit of time would would kind of solve a problem and 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 lead to a much better quality of day for him. I don't know if we could argue it's quality of, of his of his life, but it certainly, you know, it makes life much better for an older patient in a hospital. And I think for some nurses, they just don't quite see it. Not that they wouldn't want to provide an opportunity like that, but somehow they they miss that.
1: Totally. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just a different... A different skill set and and as you said it's just a different lens um and i think i just i really love my geriatric population and so i try to see those other aspects of of what they need
0: so you told me a story a while ago that resonated with me and and definitely showed me you've got a gerol lens and that was with an older punjabi man mm. i believe he had dementia Maybe you could share that story again and what you did so simple, but so effective. Yes. Yeah. We had this patient. I
1: think this was on our A side. Um, and I mean, we get so many patients like this. He was um, a patient. He had dementia. It was pretty advanced, I would say. Um, and and yes, he was Punjabi speaking. And so, you know, obviously as an Indo-Canadian person, those, you know, I can also see the, the struggles with that those patients also have and they have dementia. So you you pluck them out of their routine, you put them in a hospital, all of us are in PPE and masks um, and they can't speak English and you can't speak Punjabi. I mean, I can, but you know, a lot of nurses can't. So you put them in this situation that's so vulnerable for them and confusing and so yeah, so this gentleman, he was lovely, um, and he was constantly wandering around the unit, um, and of course, we were short-staffed, and, um, you know, we're sitting there, and we're all trying to do our stuff, and frantically trying to chart, and he's walking up to everybody, and and saying whatever he's saying, and asking all these questions, and, and just wandering, um, and you know, we can only get up so many times to redirect and have him sit down so he doesn't fall because he's not walking with his walker. Um, But I mean, he was so sweet. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. So I I pulled him over to to my side of the nursing station and I told him just to sit beside me. I'm like, okay, if he can at least sit beside me, he can watch what I'm doing. and it was great. We, he he was able to sit there for, you know, for, a, it must have been like 10 minutes, um, but it was 10 minutes where he could sit and he was safe. And I could also make sure that, you know, he wasn't going to fall and I could also kind of do my work and, um, you know, and then we gave him a piece of paper to write on. And, um, you know, we asked if he could write in in Punjabi, which he could. And so he started writing. Um, yeah, and it was, it was a nice, it was a nice moment to be able to sort of, you know, compromise and have him be safe and, and have him sit with me because it was, it was kind of the only thing that, that, I guess, settled him um, on the other side of the nursing station. He was wandering more, but
0: yeah, I was like, <laughs> Listen, you know what, we'll see if this works. You were kind of both charting that when you yeah. told me that story. I had in my head the vision of the two of you sitting at the nursing station, both charting.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. And I just, I mean, is it following policy and infection control rules and blah, blah, blah? No, but you know what? If it's going to keep him safe and I can also get a little bit of work done. You know what? What's what's it to us? Okay, sure. We'll cavi wipe the area once once he's gone. Big deal, right? Um, but you know, you you got to break a couple of rules here and there. So breaking <laughs> rules for patient benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it kept him settled and and um. Yeah, I don't know. That was that was a funny moment.
0: I, I think, Lillian, so you've you've done a little breaking rules for patient benefit. It seems to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well Nothing too much but i i uh yeah sometimes you have to <laughs>
2: well i i am much older than prop so prop you are a young nurse so to be there to break the rules so you're bold and brave and you know what you're doing
1: <laughs> well i don't know if i would say i know what i'm doing but but yeah i would say you know i'm pretty vocal on the unit and yeah any yeah <laughs> think if you asked my management, they would sure tell you that. Yeah, that's something about you. (laughs) Try to advocate. And, you know, sometimes you got to push, you got to push back a little, you got to advocate for your patients. And that doesn't always please everybody on the management side. But, you know, we're just here for our patients. So, so,
0: so advocacy is a a real cornerstone of nursing practice. Mm -hmm. And when we think about marginalized groups or groups that need more from us than others, um, like our older patients do, the the importance of advocacy just gets ramped right up. And um, I do know that you've been a strong patient advocate. And that is, I think, really impressive considering both the time you started and the length of time you've been nursing. So maybe share a little bit about what that felt like for you, because you would have been, you know, pretty vulnerable as a brand new nurse and, and you enter a situation where you're not particularly well resourced. Um, And I know that you advocated for both for your own practice and for the patients you were caring for.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's interesting being new and, and, i graduated into our pandemic i think i started um working as an rn right before the third wave Um, and the third and fourth wave were horrible covid wise um so you get thrust into this pandemic as a new nurse and yeah and so it's been interesting because you you know and we're lacking so many resources and so having to really advocate for your patients and you kind of hit the ground running as a new nurse into a pandemic. Um, it's been interesting, but I, I think I would really have to credit. I mean, partly it's my personality. <laughs> I'm not a shy person. Um, I'm not a quiet person, volume wise or opinion wise. Um, but I think also I, I really have to put a lot of credit towards, towards the nurses I've worked with. Um, I got, I think, really, really, really lucky in my ESN experience and in my preceptorship experience. I got a really great preceptor um, who I'm still friends with now. And also um, when I started working, um, the, the units that I work on, we have very vocal nurses. And so just having the opportunity to look up to them and seeing that, okay, it, I am allowed to advocate for my patients and I am allowed to push back a little bit um, you know, and I still can be professional while also advocating for patients. And um, yeah, so I, I think just seeing sort of the nurses I work with and, and having those role models was helpful for me. Um,
0: yeah. So when you see new nurses come on or student nurses come, I'm sure you've got a few um, a few words of wisdom to to share with them and encourage them to engage in in some of those ways. Yep. Yeah. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. I I have, and I mean, I'm still a new nurse. It's it's been a little over a year of working as an RN, but um, the the newer nurses that are coming up um, and working with us, I have a couple of them, and they're like, hey, you know, prob like this is a situation. Like, should I should I you know, push back here, should I say this? Like, I think this patient really needs this, like, what do you think? And my first answer is always a very confident, yes, absolutely, do it. Call ICU, you know, suggested these recommendations to the doctor, ask this of, you know, of the PT or or tell this to the PCC, this patient needs this and you've identified that, you're the nurse, you know what they need. Um, It's Yeah, I I have very, very strong words for for the newer nurses that are like, hey, like, do you think I should say this? I'm like, yes, you should. You are right in this scenario. Absolutely. Um, And it's, I I use my line um, often, which is, listen, you're not going to lose your job because you're advocating for your patients and you're advocating for patient safety. So there's nothing stopping you here
2: oh my
1: goodness and i say and listen if you do it and you get told no chart it and i'm like listen now you know you've done everything you can i love it i love
2: it <laughs> so you talked about being vocal advocacy so you have a lot of confidence this so I wonder like if you have like young nurses that, um, I mean, it's it's not everyone have that kind of confidence like what you have, yeah. So what are some of the advices that you may give to um, others that they are new and trying to enter the career want to have the same level of confidence that you have to advocate for their patients to find things are the rewarding than when they go to
1: work? That's a good question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, personality differences is so important. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of say the same, same to everyone and not everybody is as vocal and that's okay. I can't, you know, you can't expect everybody to be as, as loud, but um, I don't know, even we have some, some nurses that are more quiet and, and less intense. <laughs> um, but, but they're all still good at advocating. And if I would say the same thing, really, um, but,
2: uh, does the environment make a difference? Like, um, culture, the environment, a culture that looks, that feels kind of safe. It's okay to speak out.
1: Yes, totally. I, I think that's important, um, to have nurses around you that you can, that you can trust and that mm-hmm. you can come to. I know, you know, I ask a million questions every shift, even still, and I know the you know, I know the nurses on the unit that, that I personally trust and I know that I com- can come to. When we have clinical students on the unit, um, I kind of tell them three things and as my kind of rules for them, and one of the things that I tell them is, um, I will be." I will only be annoyed at you if you don't come to me and ask your questions. And I tell them I will only be annoyed if you don't communicate. Um, And I tell them that there's no dumb question. If they need to ask me 300 questions that they can ask me all 300 questions and I won't be annoyed. Um, So I think that's important is, is sort of creating that atmosphere of, of trust. So
0: I'm thinking about what, it would have been like when I started nursing; it was 1988, and it was a much safer time than, and a much better resource time. No COVID. Uh, a really lovely mix of very senior nurses and and new nurses. Um, but I, yeah, I, I keep imagining the, the stressors there. And, and one of the things we know that's come out of it is this really disproportionate impact on older patients. And I wonder if you can maybe share a bit about some of the ways our older patients were, you know, were impacted, you know, in, in, in much more negative ways. For
1: sure, yeah. I mean- Uh, It's, it's so hard. I mean, just when we look at recent times from the pandemic, we had, um, you know, our emergency was, I mean, way, you know, it was, it was empty because nobody wanted to come because they were scared of COVID. Um, So, you know, we had so many conversations because, because our medical unit was used as the COVID unit and is still being used as the COVID unit. Um, but we had so many conversations of like, okay, where, where are all of these people that would normally be in eMERGE right now? Like they're at home sick with chronic illnesses that aren't being managed. Um, there are so many things that, that shut down and so many things, you know, that got waitlisted. And, you know, we had a lot of, conversations about about these people that are at home and, and not getting the care that they needed, um, especially, you know, that's important for our geriatric population, you know, they need access to healthcare resources. Um, so that was one thing. Um, and I mean, I will be a broken record because I will always talk about short staffing and um, <laughs> I will never stop yelling that from the top of the hill that we need better staffing and will it will Mm -hmm. solve almost all of our issues um you know but i mean and that's been a pre-pandemic issue and and even more so now when you think about short staffing like you you know i can't mobilize all my patients i can't give them the proper um you know hygiene and personal care that they need i can't give them the proper you know um emotional care that they need. So it's hard because then, you know, when you have seven acute patients, you can't, you know, you can't prevent hospital pneumonia, you can't prevent the UTIs, you can't prevent um, pressure injuries, all of these things that, um, you know, geriatric people especially are susceptible to you. We just don't have the resources and capacity to prevent all of these things um, and prevent all of these things that keep them in the hospital longer, um, which is, I mean, truly unfortunate. I feel like I've watched a lot of our um, older population stay in hospital way too long than they needed to, um, you know, and then they get a hospital pneumonia and they end up passing away, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can't you can't point that directly at one person or one nurse or one doctor or one. Mm-hmm um, PT, or PCC. It's, you know, it's a systemic issue. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, there's so many, so many issues. Um, and these geriatric, you know, they just, they don't get the care that they need and they, they need more time, um, than say somebody that's, you know, 40 years old and is oriented and can walk and, um, you know, can clean themselves. Um, yeah.
2: So that was loud and clear. Can you tell us, like, short stabbing? Can you tell us what that was like? Like,
1: um, yes. I mean, I could talk endlessly about it. Really, it's it's been very rough. Our our ace unit. Um, gosh, I think they have. Well, we're sticking people in the hallways, which I mean, is just horrendous. And I, we all hate it. Um, so we have all of these people in the hallway on our, on our medical unit. We have put people back in the hallway um, and they've started on both of the units I work on, on our ACE unit and med unit. Um, the unit are, we have semi, semi-private rooms that have two beds and then private rooms, which are just one bed, but all of the private rooms that we can double, we've doubled. So we're sticking two patients in a room that's meant for one, plus all these added hallway patients, um, but no extra nurses to attend to these extra patients. And they don't stop filling the beds if we're short nurses. So, you know, we could be short like three nurses and we're, you know, in the morning, you're still getting two people up from Emerge. Um, Yeah, and I mean... I don't know. How many nurses do you have on a unit when you're short three nurses?
2: What's that? How many nurses that you're supposed to have on that unit during the day when you're short of three nurses?
1: I mean, ideally, um, I, both of the units are 20-bed are units, but now they're like pushed to 28 and 29 mm-hmm. pages because we're sticking them in the, the private rooms and in the hallways. Um, so when we're short... Well, if we only had those, the original 20 beds and we had four nurses on, we would be a five patients to one nurse ratio, which, you know, is doable. Not always, but it's doable, manageable. Um, but now it's like every nurse has seven, eight, nine, ten patients. We've had a twelve to one ratio. Um wow. so yeah, it's it's not been good.
2: Wow. Yeah. Not good. It's- yeah good yeah and especially when you have to think about like what are the things that I'm gonna have to let go exactly
1: yeah exactly because you you have to start compromising patient care Mm -hmm. because you physically I have gone through many 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 shifts without a single break without a single bathroom break without taking a sip of water because there's just that many things to do and um yeah I mean it's it's the worst. And you think about, again, like our vulnerable populations. I mean, it's, it's not good. We recently had um, one of our hallway patients who was an elderly lady. Um, She was um, not oriented. She was what we call a total care patient. So she's basically bed bound. And um, I wasn't her nurse, but, but my partner was, and she, was fecally loaded and she had to give her an enema and had to disimpact her in the hallway. And oh so God. when you think about our older population, they're already so vulnerable. They already lose um, you know, a lot of their dignity just just by being in in hospital and you know, being treated the way that they're treated and they don't get the proper care that they need. And then on top of that, you stick them in the hallway and then have to do an enema and and disimpact them. And then they have an incontinent bowel movement. Then you have to do a full change. I mean, it's very bad. That's just, there's nothing worse. I it's horrible. And, and that's sort of how it's been lately almost every day. So,
2: so like, okay, this is really, really bad. And it's very extremely challenging. But in the beginning, you said you love working with the population. You love your job. Yes. When the nurses are put to work in these like crisis situations that they are so short staff and so much work to do, and they are put in at risk of having moral distress. How do you find the rewards? And you seem to have the confidence and you know, you're able to see those rewards and to spend those moments to with your patients.
1: Oh, that's a good question. And I don't even know that I could answer that very well. Um, I know for me, what keeps me coming back right now is, is the staff that I work with and, and the patients. Um, you know, we are just, we are, Hanging on by a really thin thread, um, but you know, I just I come back for the staff that I work with and and the patients that I get to work with, um, and it's hard. It is morally distressing because none of us came to do this job. You know, none of us went into nursing to do a bad job. Um, you know, we we I love the job. That I went to school for. I don't love the hospital politics, and I don't love having seven patients every time because you don't get to provide the, the patient care that you want. It's not possible.: uh, it's, it's really not. And you know, with the older population, I when they start telling me their life story, I want to be able to hold their hand and sit there and listen. Um, you know, but you just can, and it's, um, it's unfortunate, so I don't know how long this will go on and, and how long people will stick around.
2: So we're in a really challenging times because I'm thinking about like even people like you that you are so extraordinary. But, you know, when you think about the risk that we have, that it's just not sustainable. So how are we going to retain nurses, especially people like you, good nurses?
0: Uh,
1: That's the golden question. I mean, I will always keep saying this, we just, we need more staff, and we need, um, we need the support, and we need the funding, and I, I just, I don't see, I don't see a more, I just, I don't see a long-term solution other than, other than having adequate staff, and I don't just mean nurses, I mean our caries, and our, our PT, and our OT, um, and the people that actually are in the rooms with the patients doing the physical work. Um, I just, I personally don't see another way. We keep filling needs with short-term um, solutions, but I don't know, it's, it's not sustainable at all.
0: It's, it's like the system really hasn't, hasn't grown and evolved. And even on the simplest level, just looking at the population of where we're all living Mm-hmm. Population has increased mm-hmm. tremendously, but yeah. our resources haven't kept pace. Mm-hmm. And then you layer on a, a pandemic and a crisis, and that just shines the light on on all of the holes in the system because we were really vulnerable before.
1: Yeah, and then when you think about Canada as a whole, I mean, we hear it all the time. It's an aging population, and this. You know, we're not going to all of a sudden start seeing younger patients. Um, yeah.
2: But we need young nurses. We need a lot more young, a massive amount of young nurses like you. But yep. when we have, when we recruited nurses, we have trained nurses when they come in the workforce and we can't afford to lose them. No,
1: this is true. And and um, as much as we need, we need our younger nurses, we also need to retain our senior nurses um, in my first, like, uh, maybe in the first six months, every time I came onto work, the first thing I did was look at the whiteboard and see which senior nurses I was working with, because I was like, okay, if anything goes wrong in my shift, or I need to ask a bunch of questions, who am I going to go to? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and when you think about the senior nurses, they, they've seen, Um, way more than I have and they know what what nursing has been like and and what the progression has been like and um I don't know they're they really are angels sent from above and we need to retain them as well you're right you're absolutely right then
2: the leadership support if they say okay we had it you know and they leave and there's no senior nurses to coach and support the young nurses
0: yeah totally so we need somebody in those positions of power to have a very broad, fulsome look at, at the system. Um, yeah. So if you had the Minister of Health here right now, and you <laughs> could you could tell him one thing, you've got one wish, Prab, or one thing he really needs to know, because I'm sure he listens to Gero Nurses, Yes, he does. What What would you tell him?
1: Oh, I would have a lot of choice words. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, really, it comes down to funding and and funding the right positions. Which, from my perspective, personally, is as I said, the um, the staff that actually does the physical work with the patients. Um, you need to pay us more. Maybe some better benefits. Um, and, and also I think it would be beneficial to, to open up more seats in nursing programs, um, and having more seats for LPN to RN bridging, um, for those programs to open up more seats there, um, and, and get some more nurses. Cause I, I don't know this healthcare system is, I mean, it, it will collapse and it, it already like it is. Um, Yeah that's that's what i
0: would say i'm thinking we're we're really seeing the importance of the bedside nurse is yep. is what we're seeing yep. and and for me my personal hope is often i see the best and the brightest of us absolutely excel at the bedside and then before we know it they've taken kind of a middle management role somewhere in the health authority because of course they are so capable but I'm hoping that they stay at the bedside for a while longer. Um, That's, that's where, that's where it all happens. And so my personal hope prep is that you stay for a while at the bedside. Trying my best (laughs) around as
1: long as I can. And I will hold on to hope that things will change. And I will hold on as long as I possibly can because I love it. Bedside is so, it's so, I mean, it's fun and it's exciting and you learn so much so quickly. And I, I don't, it's not fair that we have to leave bedside for really just for our own sanity. Cause that's, you know, that's why a lot of us leave bedside. Right. Um, and that's not fair because a lot of us don't want to, but Some people can only hold on so long when you have seven patients or 10 patients. But I will try my best to hold on. Yeah, it's
2: sustainability though. People um, stretch like too thin and uh, in the long term, it's a marathon. It's not just one day that we work a little bit harder. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, every day. Yeah, so it needs to be a healthy workplace that people feel you know, healthy to go to work and they could find joy and fun and we want. Yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think when you've got that kind of a workplace, then we we will see more people take a gerald lens, take the time with the older person, think a little bit more deeply about the complexity of the older patient's needs and not just gloss over it or rush through it.
1: Yes, I, I totally agree. And I, um, hate to admit this, but I, I recently just stopped picking up on our ACE unit cause it was just, it was too short and I left every shift feeling like a horrible nurse because you, it's true. Like as much as every patient needs your time and your energy as the nurse, um, the older population, they just, they needed a little bit more and you need more time with them at the bedside and you need more time, um, for, for them at your computer, because for me, like, I need to know um, a lot more of what their baseline is and a lot more of what their discharge is going to look like and who needs to be involved in their discharge um, to, to go home safely, right? And I think, you know, the older population, they they do need more resources as a whole um, to go home. I, I sent home a patient the other day because she came she was young and independent and she she got switched to oral antibiotics and it was like, okay, go home, see you. And it took me five minutes to discharge her. But when you think about our older population, you need the time to look into their history, look into what they need, have time to even think about what they need um, to go home. Um, But you just, you simply can't do that in, in these current circumstances, which um, gosh, it just, it really is horrible. But yeah.
2: Yeah, it's true. It needs to be on the needs. Yeah. Definitely. Wow. I, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come to talk with us. And I certainly have learned a lot and feeling inspired, especially, you know, how you're able to to find that joy and fun to work with the older population, despite the difficult situations that we are in at this time yeah
1: oh well thank you guys for having me i i really i love chatting nursing because i really could sit here forever
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you know what lillian and i love chatting nursing too so but but yeah, I want to echo what Lillian said, Crab, and I, I also want to thank um, all our listeners for taking the time to listen and encourage everybody out there listening. If you can think of someone that we should chat with on an upcoming episode of Gero Nurses, please email us at lillian.hung at ubc.ca or shelley.canning at ufb.ca. Well, so
2: until next time, and uh, we hope you all stay safe and stay healthy. And uh, we'll talk to you again next month. Thanks, Prab.
1: Thank you, guys.
0: And that's the show.